0: and beloved, I, I want to share with you a Bible story. A wonderful Bible story taken out of the book of Joshua. Um, and maybe this may not be well for a preaching class, but I want to share with you a narrative, a story that covers two chapters around 70 verses. Now, if I just read all the 70 verses, we'll just read it, pray, and go home. But I, I, I think there's some wonderful life principles in this um, story. So I'm going to read basically the first six verses of Joshua chapter 9, and the story encompasses Joshua 9 and 10. And, and you've heard part of it. Joshua 10 is a very popular chapter. It's the, it's the chapter when the sun stood still. Ever heard that story. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful chapter, but, I, but, but chapter 9 sets up chapter 10, and I want to get into that. But let me, let me set the tone a little bit for you, I want to share with you a scene in the New Testament that has nothing to do with the story, but everything that I want to talk about, and we'll, we'll begin there. It's a scene in um, John chapter 13, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and they move into the Last Supper, and you heard that joke about the Last Supper, you ever heard that, about how um, um, Jesus was... You know, it's kind of like a potluck scenario and making sure Peter brought something, James brought something. And they didn't bring anything. And Jesus like, you know what, this is the last supper. This is just the last one we'll have. And so they're, they're, they're at the, the last supper. And Jesus is teaching them about servanthood. What it means to serve. He puts the towel on his his arm and he kneels down. and had, had that whole scenario where Peter says, no way, you don't wash my feet. He said, if I don't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. Peter said, well, then wash everything. Just, just totally surrender. Meanwhile, later on, it shows you a comparison with Judas. And it literally says um, in the middle of chapter 13, there was a time where Satan entered Judas's heart. And what most writers agree is Judas thought that Jesus would take over um, the Romans at that time, and he would be the new ruler, and Judas would be the CFO of Jerusalem. And he's realizing it's not turning out the way he thought. And he's like, I'm out of here. I'm not with this. This is not what I thought it would be. And the passage is about servanthood, And it speaks of, it shows Judas in the light to where he thought he would get more out of it than just serving people. So he left. In Acts chapter 1, they're still asking, Jesus, is this when you're going to take over? Is this when you're going to, you know, beat everybody? He says, it's not your business when all that's going to happen. And even after all the time they spent with him, he is still trying to change their paradigm of what winning looks like. He's still trying to change their picture of what leverage, getting to the next level, moving into your next season, what victory looks like. He's still trying to teach them it does not look like it looks on world terms. God's kingdom has set a tone for you to advance in a whole nother way. And this is what this story is about. It's about servanthood. It's about winning. It's about leverage. It's about moving up, but it's a whole nother way of going about it. So I titled this message Uncommon Warfare. Uncommon Warfare. And it's taken out of Joshua chapter 9, and, and um, it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's a wonderful biblical worldview of winning, of progressing, and and um, let, me, let me just say this before I get started. It, it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God and all the different things you've done in the kingdom. While you walk with God, at various times in your journey, the Lord will invite you to be stretched. He will invite you to grow. And it's all up to you if you're still willing to be stretched. Doesn't matter how long you've been in the game, but you'll always get an invitation Will you be willing to let the Lord stretch you? And I believe if you do, there's always, always fruitfulness on the other side. Let me show you what I mean. Joshua chapter 9 and 10 covers about 70 verses. 43 in chapter 9, 27 in um, chapter 10. I'm just going to read 1 through 6 of chapter 9. And it reads like this. It says, and it came to pass when all the kings who were on the side of the Jordan in the hills and in the lowlands and all the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon. The Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite heard about it. Hold on. The the, the children of Israel just finished um, their campaign against Jericho and Ai. And um, they're making their campaign across the promised land. And they're about to come into their next stop. And all these kings heard about what happened to Jericho and heard about what happened to Ai, and they decided that they would put together a federation, uh, a a joint force. So, you know, let's all get together. Let's not just sit around and wait for them to pick us off one by one. Let's all come together and let's go up against them. And the Bible says that they, they went to get the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites, It says in chapter 10, verse 2, about how this was a great city, uh, a metropolis, if you will, and they were known for strong men. They said, let's get the Gibeonites with us because um, with the Gibeonites, I'm sure we can beat Israel. And so because of all that they heard, they planned to come up against Joshua. Like right there, it says in verse 2 that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. Here it is, verse 3, but when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard... What Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel we have come from a far country now therefore make covenant with us so here it is the Gibeonites heard everything that Israel or the Lord through Israel did to Jericho the walls came tumbling down Ai was another walled city the walls came tumbling down in another way and and they realized they said you know what um, let's not join the federation. This is what we'll do. Let's send some ambassadors. Let's put on some old dusty clothes. Let's give them some old stale moldy bread and, and let's give them some old um, worn out wineskins and let them travel about, you know, 10, 7 miles over and, and pretend that they're from a faraway country, get into covenant with them, and let's work all that out. And that's what they did. They literally lie. They lie about where they're from. They lie about necessarily who they are. And the Bible mentions that Israel, the leaders, didn't even inquire of the Lord. They just said, fine, since you come in peace, we'll make covenant with you. And they make a covenant with them. And it's it's a powerful scene of this covenant. So when the people of Israel make a covenant with this this representative or these representatives from the other nation, they make their covenant before the Lord. And it's a powerful um, closure and a powerful agreement that they gave their word. We will not have war with you. We will be in covenant with you. Well, while they're making their campaign a few days later, they realized, that they'd run up against, they said, wait a minute, hold up. You are not from a faraway country. You're just on the other side of the hill. You lied to us. And in so many words, they literally said, so what? We're in covenant now. Nothing you can do about it. And it rests on the fact that Joshua kept his word that he made to the Lord. In spite of the fact that the Gibeonites misrepresented themselves. And they lied about who they were. And Joshua said, it does not matter. And so out of covenant, the Bible says at the end of chapter 9, they made them woodcutters and water bearers in the tabernacle. They literally become assistants to the Levites. And they serve in the tabernacle. Talk about covenant. No passive aggressive behavior. They didn't back out of the agreement because they made the agreement before the Lord. That even though you don't keep up your word, you didn't keep up your word, you misrepresented yourself, we don't have the liberty to back out of this agreement because we gave you our word. And we kept our heart right before it. And in spite of the fact that you lied to us, and all you can tell us is, oh, sorry, but we're in covenant now, and there's nothing you can do about it. So they honor it, they honor the covenant they honor their word and the chapter ends with them serving in the tabernacle it wasn't just some sort of passive aggressive version of well we'll just agree not to have violence with you or We'll just put you over in the corner and leave you alone. Um, We have no right to really treat you right because you you were wrong to begin with. No, they give them an honorable role and an honorable position. Why? Because they were in covenant and they gave them their word. Chapter 10 rolls around. The federation of kings who wanted the Gibeonites to join them. And when they heard what the Gibeonites did, now the Federation of Kings, now they're mad with the Gibeonites. They said, wait a minute. You went ahead and ran your own program and wouldn't get with us? Now they want to have war against the Gibeonites. What do the Gibeonites do? They call up Joshua. (laughs) And they said, we need you To protect us right now stop whatever you're doing and come and rescue us now yes we misrepresented ourselves but we're in covenant and not only are we in covenant but we need your protection right now so bring your army bring your men and protect us immediately and the Bible says Joshua jumped and ran to their assistance because he gave them his word. So not only do I have to serve you out of covenant, now I have to fight on your behalf because he gave you my word and the Lord gave them victory. Speaks of how the Lord gave them favor. And I mean, Joshua walked up to him and said, Hey, you, you duped us. So what? Not only that, come fight for us. And I love it. The Bible says, And suddenly, Joshua and his troops marched all night long and came to their rescue. None of that, well, you know, I'm still trying to get over the fact you lied to me. Let me call you back. None of that, well, you know, I'm still going through because I haven't been able to let go of the fact that you did me wrong. Let me see if I'm free. He gave his word. And he entered into covenant before the Lord. In, in spite of whatever kind of difficulty I might be working through emotionally, I, I got to acknowledge the fact that I gave you my word. And he teaches us so much about what it means to walk in covenant and what it means that as we stand and and come into agreement, we stand before the Lord. Who cares who heard us? Who cares who knows about us? Who cares about what they did on their side of the bargain? We stood before the Lord when we made the agreement. And and all of those those, those wonderful, powerful principles, they stand true and they come alive in this story. And they tricked them, but still he responds. um, Ah, they nag him, but still he hastens to their defense. I believe you've heard this before. Yeah, you've heard this before. Galatians 6 and 9. Don't be weary in doing good. For in due season you will reap if you don't give up. Um, Ecclesiastes 11 and 1 cast your bread upon the waters and for you will find it after many days. In other words, whatever you cast out in low tide will come back in high tide. Um, I believe you've experienced this before because the Bible says that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And even when we may not have kept our word, he has always kept his word. That seems so unfair. That just seems so unfair. I mean, just kind of smashes in the face all these worldly terms and paradigms of how to deal with unfair treatment. What right I have when they break the agreement. What right I have when they don't keep their word. What rights do I have when they lie? We're people of God. We have a whole different standard in how we live. And it makes times like that so difficult. But watch this. Watch what happens. And I think this is the trigger. Chapter 10, things change completely. Because uh, after, after this, something miraculously happened. What I love, first of all, is how they honored the covenant by making them servants in the tabernacle. And, 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 and if you read their history, you will find out that, you know, even going into the New Testament, their descendants, is called the Nethanims, and they continue to serve in the tabernacle. And so the covenant gave them an honorable place to serve Throughout generations, not only did they keep their word, but it added so much grace and love and quality to how they treated them and how they served them. Why? Because they were in covenant with one another and they gave their word before the Lord. Now, I believe this story, you can believe this story. I, I believe that the Bible gives wonderful evidence of how these kinds of scenarios can turn out fruitful in many ways. But this is what I want you to believe. I want you to embrace that what Joshua did was a trigger. It flipped the switch to everything that took place in chapters 10 and 11. What Joshua did, it was a game changer. There are three things that happened because of what Joshua chose to do. Number one, they experienced the greatest miracle of their lifetime. The sun stopped. They're chasing their enemy. And Joshua said, Lord, we need more sunlight to finish this battle. And God heard his prayer and stopped the moon and the sun, the Bible says. The greatest miracle known in mankind, even. And there's proof, there's evidence, you can study it, of how that still affects our calendar today, that the the sun stood still, the Bible says, for an entire day. The second thing that happened, that later on at the end of chapter 10, you see Joshua calling his corporates, his corporals out, and, and says, Look at all these kings that we're defeating them. Take your foot and put your heel, put your foot on their neck. And it speaks of they're entering into a new place of dominion, that they are now defeating someone or things that they've never defeated before. They enter into a new realm, if you will, a new season of dominion in their life. And then the third thing that happens is they go on this major campaign and they begin to just take out any nation in the southern part of the kingdom, I mean the northern part of the kingdom, and then, on the southern, and then in chapter 11, they do a campaign in the nor- nor- northern part of the kingdom and it begins a string of victories. So because of what Joshua did, this is the trigger. They experienced the greatest miracle in their life. They, they um, enter into a new realm of dominion, start to defeat things that they've never defeated before. And they run into a string of victories, a new season of winning. And those are the three things that, that basically, like, it happened. So, so this is what it looks like. What, what would your life, what would it be? What would your life look like if you had the opportunity to experience the greatest miracle of your life right now? what would that look like? What, 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 what would it sound like? What would it feel like? Or, or if you were able to defeat something or defeat a thing that for some reason your family has never been able to defeat, what would that look like for you, for y'all? Or, or even if you entered into a new season and there was just a string of victories, you're winning battles, What would that do? And so it it comes under this this kind of thing that, you know, someone trying to, greatest miracle, someone trying to make things right in their family or in in relationships or, or in their finances or in recovery, and you feel like time is running out and say, Lord, I wish we just had a little bit more time that we can fulfill what we're trying to fulfill. And just like God allowed the sun to stop and give them more time to defeat their enemies, someone who's just, oh, I think we're running out of time to settle this or we're running out of time to fix this. A greatest miracle could be enough room to actually accomplish the thing you're fighting to accomplish. And that's a trigger. It opens that up. Or even in the matter of dominion, just whether it be a habit, um, an addiction, or, or just, just something that you just can't seem to overcome. And you're praying, and you're seeking direction, and you're seeking counseling, and boy, I'd really be glad if we can just get past this point. If we can just move beyond this and and the promise of chapter 10 says that you can enter into a new realm of dominion. You can start winning at things, winning in ways that you've never won before. My God. Now that, that ought to serve some kind of hope. And then, then, then lastly, just a string of victories. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. You, you win, one, and then you win two and then you win again and it's it's a matter of everything is not a hope win or loss you begin to get on a pathway to where you start having more victory steps before you give up more victory steps before you begin to doubt that's what it says that's what it looks like and so so how do you get that do we just you know lift our hands and sing louder you know, some things, that can be fruitful. Do we just lean in and pray harder? Yeah, that, that can be fruitful. Do we just, you know, pour out our hearts into the word and let the word pour itself into our own hearts? Yes, all these things can be fruitful. But Joshua had an opportunity to treat someone just like they treated him, but he remembered he gave his word before the Lord. You normally don't get applause for that kind of stuff. You normally don't get a whole bunch of attaboys or pats on the back for that kind of stuff. Oh. I, I, I got to gotta remember, regardless of how you're coming back at me, regardless of how you're responding to me, I got to remember, I gave my word before the Lord. I have a mentor, and, and um, I go to a class that he does every year, and— um, and I had a wonderful opportunity to be trained and be coached by him a, on a certain topic. And, but I had a previous commitment in a leadership role. But I really wanted to do this because this was like a, a once every three-year opportunity. And I told him, I said, you know what, I really want to be a part of this, but I have another commitment. But I'm really, and I'm trying to work up an excuse to be able to do this with my mentor. And he cut me off. You said, Charles, you gave your word. How can you just decide you want to do something different when you already gave your word? That's all he needed to say. There was no change of plans. There was no canceling, making phone calls. I can't make it. I gave them my word. And that's where the trigger flips. Because of that, I make myself available for the Lord to have room to help me to walk in one of the greatest miracles of my life. And and even, and and who knows what those are because there are blessings that come every day. It could be healing from a sickness. It could be a breakthrough in my marriage. It could be a breakthrough in my finances. It, It could be a breakthrough for my children, for my son, whatever the case may be. But I believe... Times like that is a trigger. I begin to defeat something that I've never defeated before. It could be fear about a certain things. It could be some sort of selfishness. It could be, could be anything that I just seem. it could be anger, I just can't seem to get over. But now I seem to have dominance over that thing that used to just trip me up every time. And then I start winning. I go from not finishing semesters in school to better grades in school to not finishing assignments to um, initiating new assignments, just whatever the case, but a string of new victories. So this, this is basically what this story tells me that doing what's right, because it's, it's right to do what's right. Right makes might. Truth will always triumph. Doing what's right does pay off. It does pay off. It does pay off. Number two, keeping your word. It pays off. It does pay off. And number three, the road less traveled. Choosing the course because it's the road that's chosen for us. The Bible says straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. It's an intentional life. Being intentional, it does pay off. It does pay off. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every invitation that you give us. That the small victories open up doors to larger victories and the pathways that are marked by prayers and times of request. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would give us rest stops where we can see the huge work that you've been crafting and drafting on our behalf and lift up someone's hope, persevering, patiently walking and trusting. Raise someone's faith that may see the fruitfulness of staying with you give us the strength to hang in there and persevere I pray. in jesus name amen you know what as a reception of the word go ahead put your hands together give the lord praise come on we bless your name today lord to you be all the glory honor and praise we bless your name